and hello to all the new listeners out there. You are listening to the first ever podcast for Reclaiming America, and I will be your host for this podcast. My name is Brandon Lee, and once again, welcome to our first ever episode. If you want to check us out on iTunes, we'll be posting new episodes every Friday up in the iTunes store, as well as on our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook. You type in Reclaiming America with Brandon Lee or at Brandon Lee Podcast. First, a little bit on why I am starting this podcast and this show. First of all, I want to let everybody know that this is not a new show. This show was created by me in order to aim at taking the news presented during the week and trying to expose the spin and underlying narratives that are not disclosed by news and media outlets. I think it's very important that we disclose exaggerations and hyperbole on both the left and the right side of the political spectrum. And don't worry, this show will include equal opportunity bashing for both the far left and the far right. Mainstream media runs on what they believe will make their audience happy. That's because mainstream media news is bought and sold by big corporations, big donors, wealthy individuals that own the corporations. More listeners to them equal higher ratings for them. Higher the rating, the more advertising dollars they can get. I'm going to go about this podcast in a different manner than your regular news outlets go about their promoting of their channels and their different forms of media. I'm going to be starting this as basically a bluegrass movement of news and entertainment and spreading information and exposing misinformation. So it's all going to be funded by viewers like you. And for that reason, I did set up a Patreon page. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. Put in backslash reclaiming America. That's patreon.com backslash reclaiming America. And you'll notice it'll pop up onto a contribution page. If you want this show to continue, like what you're hearing, you can contribute $1 a month all the way up to $50 a month. And I'm not going to be taking any contributions that are higher than the $50 a month, mainly because, like I said, I don't want to be bought and sold like the mainstream media or what you hear on the radio. I want my arguments to be represented by your voice, your contributions, and what you think is important that is going on in this country. Now, these 30-minute podcasts are going to be split up into three segments. I might go on tangents here and there, but I'm going to try and keep somewhat of a structure going on during the podcast. The first segment you'll hear and all of my podcasts will be called History Matters. And what I'm going to aim to do at History Matters is look at current topics and affairs that are in the news and politics, and then try to go back in history and heed warnings of what we have learned in our past as a country and show what we should probably take heed of and notice of for current events that are going on in society right now. The second topic or point of discussion will be thinking deeper and that is where I will be taking a news story and looking more in depth behind the scenes uncovering what the media is not telling you about that story 
And finally, National Nightmare. Great way to wrap up the show. On such a positive note, right? National Nightmare will be a segment on a current policy or argument that really needs to be exposed, and exposed for the damage it could do to our country and add to our political divide. So let's delve right in. We're going to start off with the History Matter section. And boy, it is a big week for history being made in this country. I'm sure many of you have heard this announcement by our Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, earlier this week. The actions taken to date by the President have seriously violated the Constitution, especially when the President says, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. For the past several months, we have been investigating in our committees and litigating in the courts so the House can gather all the relevant facts and consider whether to exercise its full Article I powers, including a constitutional power of the utmost gravity approval of articles of impeachment. And this week, the President has admitted to asking the President of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. The, action of the, the actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the President's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. So that was, once again, Speaker Pelosi announcing earlier this week that they will be starting an impeachment inquiry on the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. A couple things to go over with this. I don't know why I have to say this, but I think it's important to say this in this political climate right now that we have that's very polarized and divisive, is that we need to tread very lightly when it comes to the matter of impeachment. It is a serious offense. It is one that has only been brought up four times in the history of our country. And an impeachment should be anything but political. And yet it seems in the four times, including this one, already in the past couple of days, it is ex exactly the opposite it is starkly political. Committing a crime as the highest leader of the country and practically the world should not be a partisan issue. And we have been here before and we have precedent in this country. In fact, the first impeachment ever to go through the House and the Senate of this country should be a reminder of why this should not be a partisan issue. And the first ever impeachment was done to Andrew Johnson after the Civil War. Now, Johnson took the place of Abraham Lincoln after Lincoln was assassinated. He was the vice president, and he took office. And don't know how much you know about history, but Johnson was pretty much a racist. Although he was a Democrat, and he was in a pro-Union state, he didn't secede from the Union in his state of Tennessee. He did throughout his presidency veto many measures that were aimed at helping the Reconstruction effort after the Civil War. Now, Johnson was facing a supermajority in the House and up against a majority against him as well in the Senate. And ultimately the House supermajority decided to impeach him 
mainly for a violation of the Tenure of Office Act. He was replacing many of Lincoln's appointed officials that were in office. And they said that went against him being able to replace officials without passing it first through the House and the Senate. But ultimately, he was acquitted in the Senate. I believe it was by one vote. And it was found to be an act that was political. Meaning the House basically just wanted to impeach him because they didn't agree with his decisions. And it was supposed to be a precedent set for future impeachments that you can't just impeach an official, especially the president, because you disagree with their politics and their policies. So I think bringing that to today's age, we have to tread lightly on what we are doing with our impeachment inquiry at this current date. I know a lot of people do not like this president, mainly because he is not like any other president we have ever seen in the history of our country. However, just because you do not like the president, you, you just can't throw him out of office because he is unconventional and unorthodox. If he is found to break the law, bipartisanly found to have broken the law in this whistleblower complaint that was released a couple days ago, and that we've had hearings on the Hill about, then fine. That is breaking your oath of office. That is or breaking the law. That is committing a high crime and misdemeanor. And you should be punished because no president, no official should be above the law. But if this is a political stunt, which so far over the past three years, it seems pretty political to me, whether you agree with it or not, then we need to really tread lightly or the future presidents of this country might be in peril just because of their policies. Let's go on to our next segment. And the next segment is about thinking deeper. And it's also a story probably many of you have heard about in the last few weeks in the media. And that is the announcement that is coming out about vaping in this country. Here's a little clip. 37 right now, a little over an hour ago, the CEO of Juul announced that he is stepping down. The San Francisco-based company is the biggest player in e-cigarettes these days. The announcement follows protests and bans across the country as the outbreak of vaping-related illnesses continues to grow. Massachusetts has already instituted a complete ban on vaping-related products for the next four months. The governor said that a pause was necessary to allow public health officials, epidemiologists, and researchers to do their work. Meanwhile, hundreds have fallen sick and at least nine have died after using e-cigarettes. So that nine number is now up to 12 apparently confirmed deaths in these vaping epidemics, as we have labeled it in the United States, United States of America, a vaping epidemic. So it's kind of like a feel-good story, right? You feel you feel good, like your politicians are working towards the common goal of keeping our kids safe and healthy and getting this garbage off the shelves of flavored e-cigarettes, and we're saving lives, And right? This is all about saving lives in America, correct? Well, let me play you another clip that shows that this has nothing to do about saving lives in America. 
New research finds smoking causes 1 in 10 deaths worldwide, with over half of those deaths in the United States, Russia, China, and India. The Global Burden of Diseases, Injuries, and Risk Factors study, based on information on smoking in 195 countries and territories from 1990 to 2015, found that around 1 billion people smoked in 2015, or 1 in 4 men and 1 in 20 women. In 2015, 11.5% of total deaths worldwide were attributed to smoking, and over 52.2% of those deaths occurred in either the United States, Russia, China, and India. Do you know how many people die every day in the United States from smoking-related incidents? I'm not talking vaping. I am talking cigarette smoking that we have found for decades have been killing millions of people in this country. 9,000. 9,000 people every day in America die from smoking. This is not about the loss of life or because we care about children. I'll tell you what it's about. This is an inside job. This illustrates that the media is bought and paid for by corporations and insider interests. The main companies we're talking about are Altria and Philip Morris. These are multi-billion dollar conglomerates. They specialize in marketing and selling tobacco and cigarette products. Now, Altria, just a year ago, spent $13.4 billion dollars billion just to acquire a 35% stake in the Jewel company. Within the last year, Altria has been also talking with Philip Morris, another multi-billion dollar conglomerate, to merge both those companies. Now, what sales have been going down rapidly over the past 10 years? It's cigarette sales. Tobacco sales have been decreasing by an average of 14% over the past 10 years. And tobacco lobbying in general has gone from about an average of $20 million, $20 million spent on to buy tobacco companies to lobby Congress so they will not put more restrictions on tobacco and smoking products. That number has gone down to about $5 million over the last two years. Now, someone, I don't know who that someone is, but someone with a lot of power and a lot of money, probably someone at the head of another large conglomerate that specializes in the sale of tobacco and cigarette products, was scared that the merger would wipe out them and other remaining competition. After all, Altria and Philip Morris put together would be worth over a quarter of a trillion dollars as a merged company. This was a hit. You won't hear that anywhere in the media. This was an absolute hit job that was put on an Altria. They hit them where they could. They couldn't hit them with cigarette sales because all of the companies have a vested interest in cigarette and tobacco sales. However, Altria just poured $13 billion into this newfound company, Jewel, with no regulation And they hit them where they could. So some company 
paid some news organization to start this story. And boy, did it work. It caught fire. We are now outraged over 12 deaths. And I think last time I heard it was approximately 800 illnesses from a vaping product. And vaping products have been around for six years. Longer than that, but they have grown in popularity for over the last five or six years. When before this did you hear that anybody was dying or getting sick from vaping? I'll wait. Because I bet you heard nothing of it over the past or five, six, five or six years. I bet you heard that vaping was the healthy and better alternative to smoking. But now all of a sudden, Altria spends $13 billion of their own dollars to try and take a vested interest in Juul and tries to merge with a larger company. And all of a sudden, we start hearing that vaping is terrible. It's causing illnesses. It is killing children. So kudos to you, whoever started this. Because you just basically stopped the merger between Altria and Philip Morris, and you saved your company. But once again, this just goes to show you that media can be bought and paid for by large corporations if they have a vested interest in what is going on. Once again, this is not about health. It is about money. They were never going to get rid of cigarettes. It's not going to happen. They still spend millions of dollars lobbying. They spend millions of dollars advertising to especially low-income neighborhoods. Taxes in the state I am in currently, New York State, a pack of cigarettes, depending if you live upstate or in New York City, each pack generates from $4.35 to $5.85 in Manhattan when you buy a pack of cigarettes. You tell me what New York thinks is more important, that $5.85 that they're getting off of each pack of cigarettes or your life. Funny that the states that have the highest taxes on cigarette sales are the first states that have come out and banned e-cigarette sales. I don't know if I had to point you in the right direction on this one, but why would they ban e-cigarette sales? Well, they only get an 8% tax on those. They're getting a 50% tax on cigarettes. So their vested interest is to make sure that the tobacco and cigarette companies are still selling their tobacco and cigarettes that they can tax the hell out of so they can make some sort of revenue on those sales. They don't want those to go away. Do you know how much New York State alone makes on cigarette taxes? It's $1.5 billion a year. Imagine if that was wiped out from e-cigarette sales. There would be a tax crisis in this state alone on the loss of $1.5 billion in economic revenue. So once again, when you see a story like that in the news, how vaping is terrible and it's killing our children, there's been 12 deaths. We need to stop this vaping once and for all. Just step back for a minute and think, shouldn't we be a little bit more outraged of the other form of smoking that is killing 9,000 people a day than the one that we barely proved that has killed 12 people in the last few months. I feel like maybe our politicians 
and our news should report on that failure of government more than the failure of government to lead us in the wrong direction and point the wrong fingers at companies that are not making them enough money to survive. And I'm not saying these companies are not making enough money for their own interests to survive. These multi-billion conglomerate tobacco and cigarette companies are going to be here long, long into the future. They have lobbyists upon lobbyists on Capitol Hill spending buku bucks so they can go out and make their billions and billions of dollars on products that will kill people for decades and decades to come with no repercussion. But I'm saying politicians live off of money, donations, contributions. They need that billion dollar tax revenue to come into the state or then they have to answer to the constituents on why their roads are not being paved more than they're not being paved already or why their taxes are going up on their homes and on their properties or on their schools. It's already going up enough as it is. Imagine if they were losing that revenue, they'd lose their jobs as well. And that's something a politician cannot afford to lose. And finally, for our last segment of the podcast, let's get into the national nightmare this week. And it's not specifically this week that this happened, but at our last Democratic debate, if you took a part in that or watched that, you probably heard one of the Democratic candidates for president, good old Beto O'Rourke, make this remark at the debate. If the high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield and not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers. When we see that being used against children, and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15. And that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against... So there you have it. And that statement... It's tragic and it's troubling. I mean, this the part of the statement that describes how awful that shooting was. Mass shootings are a tragedy. They are an epidemic in this country. They are a problem. No other civilized nation on the planet has this problem with mass shootings in their society. But we have to ask ourselves, why are they being used as the face and forefront of gun violence? And it's a hard pill to swallow. It's a hard thing to grasp. And it might be controversial. But it's because children and innocent civilians are easier to push an agenda with than gangs. They create more sympathy. You feel terrible anytime a politician gets up there and talks about how innocent civilians and children are slaughtered for doing nothing but going about their daily lives. But you know, the major 
cause of gun deaths in the United States. 20,000 of them a year. 50%, as high as 60%, by some estimates, is because of suicide. One in two gun deaths in this country are caused by somebody pulling the trigger on themselves. Another three in 10 shootings and deaths in the United States is caused by gang violence, inner city violence. 30%. 10% are caused by murder or accident. 3%. 3% of all the gun deaths in the United States each year is caused by mass shootings. Now, there are 320 million people in this country, 320 million, and approximately 70 to 75 million of those people own a gun. And I know you want to be sympathetic to those people that have lost their lives for no reason other than they were just walking to the store one day or walking to school or going in between classes. But we have to think of common sense reform first before we base our decisions on emotion. I don't know of a better way to start a civil war in this country than to tell all of America you are going to come into their homes, all 70 million of their homes, and take away their AR-15s and their AK-47s. What do you think is going to cause more deaths in this country? Mass shootings, which yes, tragically take anywhere from 300 to 500 innocent lives every year in this country, and something we have to address, but with actual reform common sense reform or having the government try to go into 70 million homes and take away their AR-15s and AK-47s. Let's say 99% of those people were fine with the government coming into their home and taking away their guns they probably paid thousands of dollars for and that they have because we have a second amendment in this country. Whether you like it or not, it is there. It has been fought for. And it says we have a right to bear arms. And it might have been too late to solve this problem as soon as that amendment was ratified in our Constitution. Because once that was ratified, it gave every single person in this country a right to own a gun. And that is what America was founded on. And that is what we still have today. And we have to acknowledge and we have to accept. But say 99% of those people were fine with you coming into their home and taking their guns. The other 1%, the other 700,000 people were not. What's going to happen then? How many people are you going to trigger that were maniacs to begin with but didn't pull the trigger at a mall or a school or their workplace? Now you're telling them you're going to come in and take their guns before they can do their mass shooting, their mass attack, their crazy hysteria. How many mass shootings do you think that is going to cause? This is why we need to stop this rhetoric that we're going to come in and confiscate guns. It is not going to be okay for people that have guns 
that it says in the Constitution they have them to protect themselves from a tyrannical government when that tyrannical government is trying to seize their guns. And I fear that it is going to end up in mass tragedy. And rhetoric like this is going to cause more shootings and cause more people to create havoc in this country. Let's, instead of talking about confiscating guns from probably most likely law-abiding citizens, and let's talk about how mental health needs to be at the core of every single talk of gun reform, how mental health should be a right and a privilege, how mental health should be included in every single person's healthcare plan, and how every single person, person should have access to that healthcare plan. Whether you like it or not, guns don't get up from their cases and go out and shoot people. They are the method and the weapon used to go out and shoot people. But you need a crazy and unstable person behind a gun pulling the trigger. And that is what needs to be addressed. Is there a magic solution? No. But I can tell you this. If you start working on mental health, not only will you save those three to 500 lives every year that are taken by people walking down the street, walking to the mall, walking in school, you'll save a majority of the 20,000 people's lives that turn them on themselves and pull the trigger. So please, politicians, if you're listening, let's get to the bottom of this by exploring mental health in this country first and why we are falling apart as a society. Instead of blasting off this rhetoric out of your mouth, that you're going to go and confiscate guns, that it's just going to deepen the divide and cause more violence in this country. And I know that's not the happiest note to end this podcast on, but I think we have to leave it from there. We're a little bit over our 30-minute segment for right now. Once again, I appreciate you listening this whole time. I know there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. Like I said, I am not an expert podcaster. Not the most eloquent of speakers, but I do try my best. I am just trying to relay to you my thoughts and opinions. I am trying to make it so you can actually think for yourself and come to your own conclusions. You may agree with me, you may not agree with me, but I'd like to actually start a discussion. So once again, make sure to check back every Friday to see new episodes of this podcast. We'll release them every Friday on the iTunes store as well as on Facebook. Once again, our Facebook page is at Brandon Lee Podcast or type in Reclaiming America. And once again, also make sure to check out our Patreon page. That is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Reclaiming America. Please contribute to the program so we can have more content just like this in our next episode on Friday. Once again, I am Brandon Lee, and thank you for listening to the first ever episode of Reclaiming America. Have a good weekend.